I mean, there was a point in time, even holding on to one or two pound weights, which of course to me felt like, oh my God, this isn't, this is humiliating and embarrassing that I can only hold one or two pounds. Um, I was afraid to hold those and put them over my head because my hands were sore. They were swollen. I wasn't sure. I didn't trust my grip strength, mm. you know, to even for a pound or two pounds, you know, right now, because I'm, we're still pretty locked down. I'm doing workouts in my garage and I'm using eight pounds and I'm using 10 pounds and I'm using 12 pounds and I have no problem putting them over my head. Um, I completely trust my hands. They're not in any way, shape or form um, swollen or sore anymore. You know, like that's gone. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. Thanks again for joining me on this podcast where we explore ways in which we can reduce inflammatory arthritis. And today I have another guest to share her tremendous progress by following the Patterson program and evolving into a more of a diverse plant-based diet. And we have connected on social media. As you know, I post the episodes that we record onto Facebook, Instagram, and share them to our mailing list. And Anne-Marie, my guest today, has made a comment under one of those posts and said, hey, I've got a great story too. And so I emailed her and said, hey, why don't we share your story as well? So that's what we're doing today. Now, to frame this, I have only known Anne-Marie for about four and a half minutes. So we have connected uh, just, a, just for a few minutes now, uh, and she's given me the basics so that I can provide a sensible introduction. But I like saving the details for the actual conversation so that I can get that shock factor of her progress and have a real uh, original conversation. So uh, I'm going to guide this the best I can, and I know so far that she's been able to come off some medication, so we're going to hear about coming off medications. We're also going to hear about the evolution from the early stages of the Patterson program where it's an elimination diet and the foods are simple and repetitive, and that transition period that she has followed into more uh, diverse foods and how she found that possible, what she did and the pitfalls and successes that she's had along the way. So she's all the way from California and I'd like <laughs> to welcome you, Anne-Marie, to this conversation. Ah, well, hello, hello. Happy to be here. Let's start with the before and after little TV commercial. What have you been <laughs> able to achieve since you originally were, uh, were at your worst to today? Okay, so my journey, probably not very different from everyone else's in of that, that the diagnosis, the day was in 2017, October, 2017. But I even specifically for this discussion, went back to my medical records to see, I feel like there was something before that diagnosis. And I went back and looked, I had been going to the doctor 2015, 2016, 2014, even with aches, pains, and things. Um, nothing got diagnosed. So my, in 2015, I was at the podiatrist. 
Um, and I remember specifically, I had a lot of foot pain. I was having a lot of trouble. Nothing got diagnosed. He told me to, you know, take anti-inflammatories, change my sneakers for my activities and that. So I did that, but things weren't clearing up. They weren't really getting better. Um, so again, a rheumatologist appointment in 2015, I remember the conversation was, you might have something like rheumatoid arthritis, but none of your blood work is conclusive. Your symptoms aren't bad enough. So we can't really do anything yet. We're going to have to wait and see. So I even talked a little bit like, hey, is there diet changes? Is there things that I can do to make sure I don't go down that path? She said, nope, we're just going to have to see what's going to happen is going to happen. You know, don't change anything. Keep living it. I was an active person. So be healthy, you know, just live a healthy lifestyle. Of course, no guidelines on how to do that, which of course is typical. And she said, just go about your day and go about your life and we'll see, we'll see what happens. And then what happened from 2015 to 2017 was a, probably um, just a continual degradation of my health. I remember by the time I went to the rheumatologist in October of 2017, I could not walk. I mean, I could not put shoes on my feet. They hurt so bad. And it was, you know, getting out of bed in the morning was, oh, please don't make me do it. My activity level had gone down to nothing. Could not even walk my dog because it hurt too much to walk around the block. And it was like, that was my most um, affected body part. But I also had aches and pains everywhere else, things that were just coming and going. Like one day I just, you know, couldn't lift my arm over my head because my shoulder was so painful. But two days later, it was okay. And that again, I found out later, very typical, you know, like of, of this kind of coming and going of joint pain. But my feet were absolutely positively the worst affected and never changed. They were excruciatingly painful. So by that visit on in 2017, um, the blood work came back. I, apparently, whatever numbers she was looking for were acceptable to diagnose me with rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> so at that point, I got prescribed methotrexate, folic acid, prednisone, because I was in so much pain, and some other prescription painkillers that I don't even remember. So I left that appointment, um, you know, hobbling and limping with a bag full of drugs and said, okay, if this is what I need to do, this is what I need to do. Cause I am not, I don't want to live like this. Like I, I will not, I'm not, I was at my breaking point. I'm like, I am not going to live like this. So if it's drugs, if it's whatever, but I also always felt that food is thy medicine. And I felt there's got to be a way to at least make some improvements, if not really fix this. So I said, there's got to be something I can do. So the research started. <laughs> what, were you eating, what were you eating up until that point? You said you're very standard active and you have a healthy American, lifestyle. Yes, standard okay. American lifestyle. I mean, I'd okay. say I would thought was would be healthy. I would eat, you know, I certainly all meat, all dairy. Um, and I, I like vegetables. So vegetables wasn't a problem, but I didn't eliminate any foods. I didn't, yep. I, know, I just ate what I wanted. You know, I yep. ate whatever yep. I liked. And maybe ordering from restaurants takeaway or going to restaurants a few times <clears> a week. Probably, you know, by that point yeah. I had a kids. So, you know, your yeah. lifestyle changes yeah. when you have kids and not kids, but yeah. So certainly takeout foods, um, any restaurant we wanted, any of it, you know, I didn't yeah. put my, any restrictions on myself at uh -huh. all up until that yeah. point. Just like um, everyone else. Right? Just exactly. Like everyone else. Right. Very okay. typical standard yeah. American diet that everyone does. So at that point I said, okay, I'm going to start 
researching. And there's, you know, a hundred different things when you start. Google is <laughs> a thousand, right? You, know, you start finding the autoimmune protocol and you start finding a bunch of things. So I start kind of sifting through um, and really spending every free moment, just researching and reading and researching and reading and, you know, trying to, okay, this book and the reviews on this book and this and that and the other thing. And the turning point when I found your TED talk, where you talked about your knee was blown up like a balloon and, you know, and all the whole thing. And I, something, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but something about that struck me. And I said, this makes so much more sense than everything else that I have found so far. So I went further, you know, I actually got the program and I said, okay, this really is about food and changing things very, I can control this. You know, it's a very, it's empowering to really start thinking like, Hey, if I can really nourish my body differently, because I really do believe that food is thy medicine and that we can truly, you know, change our health with food. So I said, and I felt like that was your message. So I said, I can start here. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So, and I mean, I, I am a, one of those people when I decide to do something, I jump in with two feet. So we did not have a juicer in my house uh, when this started, but he said, oh no, we're going to get a juicer and we're going to juice, you know, cucumber and celery. And we're going to, I went a hug while I put a date on the calendar. That was my Christmas present that year. I got a, I got a juicer and I had the program. I had my juicer. We, I picked a day on the calendar. I told my husband, I said, okay, I'm like, look what I'm doing. I'm doing this and I'm jumping in with two feet. I said, so you're going to have to help me, like help me feed the kids and help me do this other stuff. Cause I knew that we were going to have two separate diets for a while. So I said, you need to, he's like, yeah, absolutely. I want you to feel better and you know, no problem. So, um, so I did, I jumped in, I jumped in with two feet, um, started with the two day juice cleanse, the whole thing. And I was shocked at how quickly you know, the pain started to kind of dissipate because what I did notice, because at that point I had been on, you know, prednisone, a couple prescriptions worth of prednisone and prednisone worked great. When I got off of prednisone, I didn't feel so great, but I also knew that I did not want to be on prednisone for a very long period of time. You know, it's a pretty harsh drug and has lots of side effects. So I knew I'm like, I got to figure out a way to not need prednisone. I would say methotrexate for me, probably gave me 10, 15% improvement. Like I did say, I would say I felt, a, you know, oh, I feel a little bit better. I think it works. But two months in, I feel like, well, at this point I should be feeling better than this. You know, I feel like it, if I'm going to commit to taking this drug, I should get better benefits um, than what I had. I didn't feel like it was enough. But once I started Patterson, and that even the first two days of the juice cleanse, like you could just, it was like noticeable. Like I, all of a sudden within the first week, like 50% better, which the drugs had never given me. It was really that quick. And so oh my God, when you get results like that, it's easy to stay determined and stay committed because I'm like, oh, this is something's working here. I have to stick with this. So I did, I stuck with that. I continued on the methotrexate for a few more months. What happened, which I, of course doctors do not recommend this, but um, my mother actually passed away um, and I had to get on a plane and fly to the funeral. I had completely forgotten to pack the drugs because, you know, it's a totally different state of mind. Was gone for two weeks, didn't have them, didn't even notice. And even traveling, I stayed mostly on my diet. So 
came back. So I had two weeks of missed methotrexate. And then because I was kind of out of, out of sorts still, you know, out of routine, then three weeks went by, four weeks went by, five weeks, no methotrexate. And I hadn't thought about it. It just kind of by accident. And all of a sudden I went, holy crap. Cause I thought, oh my gosh, am I going to die? You know, you're not supposed to go off those drugs really quickly. And I realized I have been improving the entire time without the methotrexate. So I called the doctor and the rheumatologist and told her, I said, I, here's what happened. Told her the story. And she says, then don't take it because it's clearly not helping you, but I have other drugs for you. You know, I can give you a Plaquenil. I can give you all this stuff. And I said, but I'm telling you, I feel better, <laughs> you know, with just diet changes. And she's like, well, that's not going to last. You know, you, you're going to, I don't know what's happening, but you're not going to have long-term results. You better really rethink this. And if you're going to go on this path, you'll be back, you know, let me know when you feel bad. And yeah, exactly. You know? So I said, okay, I have not talked to her since <laughs> it's yeah. been since 2018. Um, two, I haven't right. So yeah. So we're talking two and a half years, like, hang on 28. What are we? Yeah. yeah so so, two and a half, I started years, to, so it's yeah. been like three years. It's been three exactly years. three years and yeah. I have not had to go back on the drug since. I don't take any painkillers at all. I don't take ibuprofen. I don't take Tylenol. I don't take anything. I don't take mm. any of that stuff. I just stick with exercise and diet. That's it. Yeah. So many parallels to my story as well. You know, I also come off my methotrexate by traveling and forgetting to pack it. So mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, also, you mentioned uh, the dramatic improvements during the cleanse phase and the early stages. Also, my experience, I used to halve my pain within two days, you know, on a cleanse. Uh, and right. this is, this is common for a lot of other folks, but, uh, certainly I can say that that, that was my experience as well. And, um, also when I came off the methotrexate, you didn't notice anything except improvement. I noticed nothing. I didn't improve further, but I'd been on it for three and a half, four years or something. So, you know, the effectiveness for me early was about, I, I, I want to say about 60% reduction in symptoms. So if I was a nine, like I was just terrible when I went on that thing. I was just lit up in like 80% of my joints, like everywhere, right? Fingers, knuckles, hands, ankles, you name it, jaw, everything, chest. And so it might've reduced that from say a 9.5 and I might've come down to a six, but I was still like bad on, yeah. on maximum dose there for a while, right? Until right. I started the interventions of, for me, it was initially a raw food diet and then eventually the baseline, right? So but lots of parallels, right? And so the drug didn't work the way, like when we think we're going to go on methotrexate, we think, well, for me, it was like, oh, okay, I give up, give me the drug and then I'll do that for as long as needed and then I'll feel fine. But you don't understand that it's not a complete solution for, for most cases, do you? Right. I think it's, yeah. Well, we, yeah. we're kind of trained to believe that something that comes out of the pharmacy out of a little bottle is magic. And it's going to make all the difference, right? It's going to cure everything. It's going to be all, and it's like, even if it gives you some relief or some benefit, um, there's always more that you can do to complement it. Yeah. And I think that people just don't seem to wrap their head around it. We put too much faith and too much emphasis on the little pill, <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. and which is probably, you know, it probably did start me in the right. And certainly like the prednisone too, that really did give me some relief. Like I responded very well to the prednisone. So that was actually, you know, almost a godsend too, because it just gave me some relief 
you know, where you could just kind of rest and just kind of, oh, thank God, the, you know, the pain is actually gone. But, you know, the payoff of that, I knew I didn't want that long term. I didn't want to have to depend on that little pill in particular because there's so many side effects and it's so detrimental to your health. And I knew that. So I said, ah, I got to find something else that I can, you know, supplement this and make this better. So at least at a minimum, my goal at the time, you know, I thought, oh, if I can at least not have to take prednisone, um, maybe once or twice a year, you know, like that was kind of my goal. And now I realize, like, I am never going to need that stuff again. You know, like I can control this in a way that I will not need that, you know, and that's just such a relief. And, you know, my health is only improving as, you know, time goes on. Um, My my most recent blood work, you know, my numbers have like virtually never been better. You know, like the doctor said to me, she's like, I don't know what you're doing. Just keep on doing it because everything looks spectacular, including some of the stuff that you, you know, if you really dive into whole food, plant-based and vegan, there's a lot of talk about some of the um, minerals or vitamins that you get low in. Um, so I said, Hey, is there any real, you know, talk about this? Like vitamin B you might be really low on vitamin B if you're vegan for a long time and, if, you know, or vitamin D and all this stuff. So she tested all of it. And she says, your ranges are spectacular. Don't even worry about it right now. She's like, we'll check it next year or in two years, but right now keep doing what you're doing. It's all good. And so, so. your inflammatory markers are normal. You're, all, yeah. All yeah, within all, normal range. Yeah. Do you ever measure, and this does not dictate whether or not there should be a medical intervention or not, but are your um, rheumatoid factor and anti-CCP ever measured? Because I'm just always curious to see those markers. They're hard to get down, those ones, really hard because they're, they're like a, they're just an indicator of the, you know, presence of the activity of autoimmune activity. So it's like, you know, is it sitting there behind the surface? And so i um, just curious if you've ever had those measured. Um, she, I mentioned that cause my, yeah. my rheumatoid factor one was done. That was like, I think one of the diagnostic yeah. tests that they decide. Right. So yeah. whatever the range was, like, which I don't remember at the moment, but, um, that one I asked, I said, do I need to get that, um, mm. checked again? Like, do we know if that's a, an indicator of disease, you know, activity? Mm. And she, her opinion was, um, it's not, it's especially after only like the three years, she felt like even if it's budged, it might have budged some, she says, but I don't yeah. think it's a good indicator. So she did, she says, I don't need, she says, don't worry about it because that number is not going to make a difference in any kind of, you know, there's certainly not treatment, but she says, I don't think you should depend on that number to know, to know how you're doing or how you're feeling. She goes, I don't think it's going to give you a really good picture. She said, really, you know, do the, the, um, the SED rates and all these other inflammation markers and all those were really low. Like I had gone from, you know, they'd been double and triple and quadruple what they were, you know, all those markers. She was, this is the stuff that's telling us how much inflammation is in your body and how low it is now. She goes, I'd rather you focus on that than the rheumatoid factor one. So anyway, yeah. so at that point I said, oh, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm like, I feel good. I'm like, as long as there's nothing glaringly obvious that I should be concerned about, she said, absolutely not. So it's sensational. Yep. Sensational. I had a conversation with rheumatologist Dr. George Munoz about this on one of our live calls that we do for rheumatoid solutions and rheumatoid support uh, twice monthly. And he alerted me to the interesting statistic. And I'm off the top of my head. I, I just tried to, to search the help desk because I quoted this to someone a few weeks back and with us with the scientific study, but apparently over a certain age, around 60, I think that, uh, and of course, I, I know you're a decade younger than that, but, but 
but the study was done for 60 plus that something like 40, 50% of people have elevated rheumatoid factor, like just Mm -hmm. regular folks. Okay. Not, not folks who have been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis or inflammatory. So there is this growing sort of um, autoimmune inclination within the Western community, which is not a good sign. It's not a good thing. Well, it's also not a surprise. (laughs) No. So I'm just saying that uh, rheumatoid factor is more common than, than what we previously thought. Uh, I'll get that study. I'll link to that study from the show notes. So go to rheumatoidsolutions.com and then you can find Anne-Marie in our podcast uh, listing. And on the transcription here, where we're up to, I will put the link to that study about (laughs) rheumatoid factor because I can't find it right now to quote the exact uh, uh, PubMed reference. So great. So you've to to get us back on your um, personal journey, you could barely walk because of the pain in the feet. You started the methotrexate, prednisone. You were able to get off both of those drugs, one of them strategically, one of them sort of fortuitously. And then <laughs> you now have tremendous, perfect uh, blood work. Uh, and how are the feet? I just want to know before we get into your sort of your advice for us and your teachings for us, uh, what's it like to walk around? How did you feel your feet change with time? It was a slow process. Um, so definitely wore, you know, the sneak I, for a while, all I could wear was a pair of sneakers. That's it. I, and there was a period of time where that was torture to actually put my feet in a pair of sneakers. They were just so swollen and so sore. Um, and just the, the act of walking was just so excruciating. So I went from that to just gradually all of a sudden, oh, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, gradually over time. And over time, I mean, over a few months, you know, it took mm-hmm. before I really felt like I could wear just, you know, regular sneakers without pain. And not, not like, you know, the podiatrist had suggested, I think it was a New Balance shoe that had, you know, super firm. It was like an orthopedic sneaker, essentially, right? It's like a $150 orthopedic sneaker. But honestly, for a while, it was like the only shoe I could put on my foot and walk at all. And even walking in the house, they have hardwood floors and it was just excruciating to walk. So then it can't, you know, can't, oh, I'm walking around my house. It's not as bad. I'm walking in those sneakers. Oh, it's not as bad. I could start to actually leave my house and take a little walk, which was a big deal. And then, oh, I can walk a little bit further. Oh, I can do a little bit more. All of that stuff. It just gradually over time. So I would say probably the better part of a year before I felt like I can wear any shoe, I can wear any flip-flop, I can wear any um, sneaker I want. But that probably took, like I said, the better part of a year, up to a year before I could actually do that. But I was at, through that whole time, consistently just being really diligent, following the diet. I did not do Bikram yoga until I heard about it and the Patterson program, an amazing you know, thing to do, um, to help with the inflammation, all that kind of stuff. I'm a very, I have historically been a very active person. So my career, um, is physical therapy and fitness training. So I've been very active, but at that point, like by the time 2015 hit and my feet were really bothering me, I was no longer doing any of that anymore because you kind of start thinking like, Oh, I must be getting old. Of course, at that point I was only in you know mid forties, 
I'm getting old. I can't do this anymore. I must have trained too hard through my entire life. All my, you know, 5K, 10Ks, half marathons, all the other stuff that I've done. I'm like, oh, I really wore myself out. You know, I can't do this stuff anymore. And now I'm on, I feel like I've really hit rock bottom. I'm on the upswing. I cannot wait for COVID to really be over (laughs) so that I can get back out and do the kind of group trainings and things that I am accustomed to. And I love, cause now I feel like, oh, I can do that again. I can get back out there and I can do all that stuff again. And I have not been able to say that since at least 2015, you know, it's been a good five or six years and you know, the changes in my diet and stuff have only come since 2017 at the end of 2017. So I just feel like there's no way I'm, I'm in a trajectory upward. That's how I feel, you know, like for sure. And now I just like, it's, I'm ready just to take off. That is awesome. That's brilliant. So yeah. do you think that you might actually be able to do some stuff with your um, exercise and, and group training and so forth that potentially uh, exceeds what you were doing prior to when this all hit? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not so sure I'm motivated to see that anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. right know if I really need to do a half marathon, but, um, but a certainly a small 5k or just, you know, silly, it sounds silly, but when you were accustomed to doing, um, I don't know if you're familiar, like orange theory and CrossFit, like these kind of weight training, like I used to love that stuff. I mean, there was a point in time, even holding on to one or two pound weights, which of course to me felt like, oh my God, this is, in, this is humiliating and embarrassing that I can only hold one or two pounds. I was afraid to hold those and put them over my head because my hands were sore. They were swollen. I wasn't sure. I didn't trust my grip strength, mm. you know, to even for a pound or two pounds, you know, right now, because I'm, we're still pretty locked down. I'm doing workouts in my garage and I'm using eight pounds and I'm using 10 pounds and I'm using 12 pounds and I have no problem putting them over my head. Um, I completely trust my hands. They're not in any way, shape or form um, swollen or sore anymore. You know, like that's gone. And it's like, you, you think about all the stuff that I couldn't do before, like little things, but they're not little. Um, You know, it used to hurt like heck to reach for the car seat belt, right? It would just kill my shoulder. I mean, that's been gone for a very long time, but it was like all those things, every moment of your day, um, when you're in that excruciating pain and it's everywhere, it's just, it's so awful. And now all that's gone. Like I I only started rethinking about some of it now because I knew I was going to talk to you. So I thought, oh my gosh, I remember when it hurt to put my seatbelt on. I remember when a one pound weight, trying to do an exercise with a one pound weight was almost impossible and scary because I didn't know if I was going to drop it. You know, that's not, I'm not there anymore. I'm in a completely different place, you know? So it's like, it's like, Oh, this is really working. So, and no medicines, you know, I'm not taking medication. This is completely a lifestyle change. Wonderful. Look, that's just, (laughs) just extraordinary. It's what we all hope for when we have this condition, you've just described the, the Holy grail, the end result, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, whatever metaphor we like, we're all hoping that one day we can get to a point that I used to incant to myself, pain-free, drug-free, back to massive energy. I used to say it over and over again. And so whilst you know I've matured in my view of medications over the last decade and, and think that 
they are not an enemy and that what we need to do is make sure inflammation is as low as we can get it and that where necessary, we add the medication to make that happen after we've done as much as we have control over with our diet, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation, sleep habits, and so on. But yes, um, if we're so healthy that our body is reconfigured so as not to need any interventions, then sensational. And it's just so... It's beautiful to see that you've achieved that for your body, and that is that is absolutely uh, phenomenal. Yeah, it's been it's, but it's again, it's consistency over time, and I think where people set themselves up for failure, and now I can look back in hindsight, it's people don't realize how much of a commitment it's going to be, and they look at that as a negative, and I looked at it with a completely different view. I thought I actually have control over the food I put in my body. And even back to Hippocrates, right? In the Hippocratic Oath, like food is thy medicine. You can control this and you can really enhance and complement any medical intervention that's happening. You really can. And really and truly that's going to be, that is most of your time spent because only you are feeding your body and you have to eat every single day. So this is a huge influence on your health. It has to be. So if you look at it in this and like, Hey, this is a ginormous um, investment of my time and energy um, for my food then, but yet the outcome in the, of that is so, you know, the, the chances of the outcome is so big, you know, it's just, to me, it's a no brainer. And so when you flip the narrative of like, oh, poor me, you know, I have to eat all this kind of bland, yucky food. And I say, well, this is the cheapest, easiest way to help complement your health and really improve your health. Then why would you not try? Why would you not? Because you can, it'll pay off in dividends in the end. Um, So I just, people just need to, I feel like Look, just flip that coin over, you know, like don't, don't start with the poor me and try all the food replacements, really have an understanding of what a whole food plant-based diet really means. Um, and, and, and start there, start there and just as much as an investment in anything else. So you invest money in the stock market for retirement, you know, you're not going to get the immediate reaction and the immediate gratification it's for later. So even if you don't like some of the food you have to eat, right? You're you're getting the retirement benefit. That's what you're investing in, right? That's what you want. So when you, I feel like if you look at it in a different light, you know, it's all of a sudden, this medicine is not so bad. Can you really, I mean, honestly, it's not, if you have to spend a couple of minutes choking down a little bit of broccoli that you think you don't like, I mean, to, for the dividends later, is it worth it? It's two minutes. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> Hilarious. I love it. I love it. I love the way you put this sort of the, the, the common sense and logic behind it. No, I obviously think the same as you do. I just love how you're putting it into your words. So please continue. <laughs> this is um this is irrefutable evidence. Okay, now um, so so you've got the mindset, which which I guess if we to categorize what you're talking about now, we've got to get our mindset right, which you've given us some some framework there. Come on, it's not out. Eat, eat this because you're investing into your future. So we've got to think about 
the why, okay? So why are we doing this? It's because if we do, we are likely, not just from stories of those around the world who share on this platform, but from the scientific evidence, and as we will soon find out ourselves, our own experience, we will feel better, okay? So we we have to go down that path knowing that there's science, there's examples of others, and there is shortly our own experience. So we get the big why, and then um, give us some more, give, give us more, give us more Anne-Marie wisdom here. <laughs> well, what else so, do we do? Okay. I have a very strong opinion about why people, like the, the hating greens or the, I, I, I want you to speak as American, right? So I think it's hilarious now, now at the point I'm in now, compared to the, you know, 45 years before I started this journey. We think of the greens and the salads, things like that, as a side dish, when in fact, that's the main dish, right? And so what does that really mean? So for example, like I told a friend of mine and she damn near lost her mind. So I said, okay, here's my breakfast smoothie. I said, and, and people are gonna just like blow their mind. So my breakfast smoothie, my go-to breakfast smoothie, it's been here from the beginning. If I do happen to feel a little bit swollen or I know that I haven't been eating really great, my detox, let's say breakfast smoothie is four ingredients, cucumber, celery, sweet potato, and spinach. Now, let me tell you the amounts, right? Let me tell you the amounts. So I put in one entire cucumber. I put in four or five, depending how big they are, stalks of celery, the entire steamed sweet potato, and one pound of spinach. Now, people will look at me and say, you are crazy. You can't eat one pound of spinach in a sitting. I'm like, I eat it for breakfast. And I said, you absolutely can, and you absolutely need to. I said, the amount of greens that we need to consume, when you're in this depleted state, right? When you're really sick, when you're really in pain, when you're all that's happening, the amount of nutrients you need from those greens is, you know, 10 times more than the average person anyway. And the average person doesn't even need eat enough of those on a regular basis anyway. So when you are not feeling well and you are in excruciating pain, yeah, you need a ton of greens. So the easiest way to get greens into your body every single day is to blend them up in a smoothie, right? It's just easier to consume. You can get the volume down to a more manageable amount. Put them in the smoothies. And I always tell everyone too that I know that I said, hey, your veggie soup, First of all, you can get recipes for a no oil basic veggie soup, but there's a hundred of them on the internet. That's a you know 30 second Google search. I said, then after you get your basic recipe, then here's what you're going to add, right? You're going to add you know two or three handfuls of spinach. You're going to add some shredded cabbage. You're going to add all these other things to it because they're not in there, right? So it's not hard to do it if you actually put a tiny bit of effort into it, a tiny, tiny bit. It's not expensive. That's the other thing you always hear. Like that breakfast smoothie I just described probably cost me less than $5, right? That's a heck of a lot cheaper than going to Jamba Juice and it's better, right? I have way more you know, healthy ingredients in it. The soup, same thing. When you are buying actual whole food, when you actually buy potatoes versus buying shredded frozen potatoes, right? I spend less than half the money. So when you actually start doing it out, like every, I feel like every argument that comes up, I can't, it's too expensive. I'm like, you're full of, no, that's not it at all. 
right? Like, absolutely not. Because I can, I can give you exactly what it costs. You know, I, for lunch today, I made a salad for a family of four. I'm sure the entire salad cost me $10 for a family of four. And we all left the table satiated, right? And I have two teenagers, right? So it's not like I made a tiny, not a tiny little side salad. I made my giant bowl of salad, right? You know, it's just huge. So it's just funny to, once, but once you, it's hard in the beginning. It's hard in the beginning to really wrap your brain around it because most people don't think they could possibly eat a pound of spinach in one sitting. It sounds ridiculous. And I mean, they sell, you know, I hear in Safeway, it's a box, one pound, right? And it's $5 at Safeway, right? I'm like, that's what I eat for breakfast. <laughs> so like I go to the grocery store, I'll buy two or three of those knowing that I'm going to make a few smoothies this week in addition to all the other greens. That's why I, you know, my friends will laugh at me. I have to go to the grocery store every other day because I'm like, I know how much I can fit and how quickly I get through it. <laughs> so I need to be getting fresh, you know, groceries every other day for a family of four. And once you really wrap your brain around that and say, okay, this is what I need to do. Then it's like, okay, now, now you're on your off on your launching pad. You know, now you're really ready. So it's like, get those in. It's not soups and smoothies, far and away, the easiest way to get greens in your body. And you need them. They're the super nourishing, super detoxing, or really anti-inflammatory stuff. But you can't just eat your little side salad. Like that's not enough. You Mm. need to have the volume. So I'm like, if anything, like, please just listen to that. Just eat, just eat a pound of greens a day. (laughs) Like just start there. Yeah. that. I mean, again, you know, this is, uh, that's my early stages as well. I, we used to take photographs of my salads for comical reasons because yeah. I would eat salad. <laughs> One time I was staying with a friend, a mate of mine, Arj, who's a comedian out here in Australia as well, and we were staying at his place uh, at a um, beautiful place up near Byron Bay, which is now like the celebrity hub here in Australia. It's really beautiful. <laughs> We were staying up there and he had one of these uh, aluminium metal uh, salad bowls, which was absolutely (laughs) enormous for a family. And uh, I was at his house making my salads in that. And yes, it was just absurd, the size. And it was full of different sprouts that we bought from the local market. So it was extremely, (laughs) uh, I mean, it was uh, interesting to look at. It was unusual. You know, it was all these different It was bumpy and lumpy and full of sprouts, some that were just shooting and others that were an inch long. Uh, yeah, and it was just getting so many laughs from the other people who were staying. But, look, who cares what people think because it was all about get the greens in, greens in. You know, I call it greenomania. When we're in uh, Bali, we're over there, and I was drinking wheatgrass shots followed by green smoothies followed by an afternoon juice. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. when you've. When you feel better from doing it, you realize, hey, just what works, just keep doing more of it. And, you know, there's there's going to be one in 200 people who are listening to this and say, oh, what about the oxalates in spinach? So just let me speak to that just for a moment for anyone who's just, hey, you can't have that much spinach. So I would direct people to some videos on nutritionfacts.org by Dr. Michael Greger, who goes into the dangers, if any, of having oxalates in your diet which of course come from, uh, a lot come from uh, spinach and uh, silver beet or Swiss chard as it's called, depending on your country. Uh, Now, watch those videos, put your mind at rest. If you're eating a lot of spinach, 
your only risk, and it is small um, if you're on a plant-based diet, is related to kidney stones. If that's something that's not in your family, if that's something that you don't have a problem with, it has relationship to your gut bacteria and missing certain microbes that break down oxalates, which make them harmless at certain quantities. In a nutshell, go watch that. If you're worried about oxalates, which I never was, Anne-Marie, you don't appear to be. And so look, just for the very, very small concerns amongst a small minority of people, go check out Dr. Gregor's videos on that to look at the science. Eat your greens. Don't worry about the spinach if you know, you're know you on a plant-based diet, healthy and mixing them up. The safest thing, Dr. Gregor, uh, sorry, Dr. Michael Clapper just says, just don't exclusively eat the greens, mix them up so that we're mixing up our spinach and our other greens, which I recommend in our book anyway. So with that little footnote, Let's move on to more awesome stuff. I want you to be the one talking, not me, because I love <laughs> listening to you. Okay. What, what the, in the four and a half minutes we talked before we started, you uh-huh. wanted to convey one message that, you, that you'd highlighted, which is the importance of staying on the narrow path at the start before expanding into other foods. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, because I feel like it was critical. So I feel like if you get success very early on, you're going to be more motivated to stay with it. So, and I will fully admit, I got my juicer for a Christmas present because um, I was I was going to do Patterson program to the letter, right? I said, I'm going to try this because I figured, hey, if I'm going to do this, this is there's no harm in any of this, right? This food is not going to kill me, right? So it's like, and it's not, there's no side effects to eating this way or, or you know, for me juicing for two days, like I'm not going to die because I had celery juice for two days. So I said, if anything, if it doesn't work, then I've lost nothing, right? So I said, we'll use the juicer at some point again anyway. So hog, you know, jumped in two feet. So within the, the the two days of juice, and I really did it exactly the way you described. I did just two days of juice. And that's that in and of itself is a giant change, right? Nobody does that, right? Like you don't normally live your life and decide you're gonna just, you know, take celery juice and cucumbers and then just eat nothing else um, all day. And I will fully also admit. Um, it did not taste that good. <laughs> right. But I figured I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And again, it comes down to, okay, I'm going to, you know, choke down this thing for a minute or two with the idea that I'm investing in the benefit. Right. I'm like, I can, you know, be a little bit, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. It's a couple of minutes, right. It doesn't taste that good, but I'm going to get benefits, right? I really believe it. I'm like, I'm going to really go and see if I can get benefits. Well, I did. I got really good. Be- well, once you get benefits, it's like, okay, well, then mm-hmm. I'll torture myself for a minute or two, you know, with some yucky kind of juice because it feels so much better later. Like, isn't that worth it? I don't even understand why someone would not try. Like, I don't even understand it. Cause like, well, you have nothing to lose. Like you already feel like crap. So like, why would you not, <laughs> why would you not at least try? You know, it's like not that to me, it wasn't that big a deal. So um, and then, like I said, once I was once I a couple days of really starting to feel better just from the juicing, it was easy for me to go. I mean, I printed out your like the Patterson program. I don't even know if it's still the same, but back then it was, you know, try this the first 10 days and then do this on day 30. I printed that, hung it on the side of my refrigerator. It's still there. It's still in my kitchen. I still glance at it. Of course, my diet now is way beyond that, but I also leave it there as a reminder. Like this is where you started. And it's 
even though there's some negative connotations of where I started, I was not comfortable. I was in a lot of pain. It reminds me, it motivates me to stay on track. Cause I'm like, I don't ever want to have to go back to this day. Right. I don't, and I haven't had to, I'm like, but I don't want to either. So like, it reminds me, like, I'm going to, I'm going to continue on the path and the trajectory I'm on. I'm not backtracking. Like I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And with your, I, uh, I want to get to some a couple of other things. I want to get you to list shortly uh, your sort of top five sort of suggestions to our audience. Before we get to that, your reintroduction, well, why don't we sort of put under that umbrella, give us some tips uh, all associated with the reintroduction process based on your experience. Um, I think a lot of people have these preconceived notions that they don't like some of these vegetables and things that are on there. And I say, First of all, try them. And secondly, everyone has access to the internet. So try, look up some recipes. Like when you start to add those foods in, for example, I have kids in my house. Um, I have one kid that will eat lots of raw shaved carrots in the salad. One that only likes them roasted in the oven. So try a different cooking method. Don't necessarily eat it raw or, you know, so don't assume like a turnip right? My kids will tell you they don't like turnips, except they don't know that they're in virtually every soup that I make. They eat them all the time, right? Um, zucchini, another one. Zucchini is another one. They'll say, I don't like zucchini. Oh, okay, right? Oh, you liked it in the vegan zucchini bread I made last night. Oh, and you liked it in the soup we had last week and you liked it when, you know, they're there. They just don't know it. So try to, and again, like there's so many ways to prepare it, right? So like I, again, Roasted vegetables in my house is a staple. I have three racks in my oven, probably at least twice, if not three times a week, I fill three trays of vegetables to roast them. I put carrots, I put broccoli, I put potatoes, I put cauliflower, I put broccoli. Roasted broccoli in this house goes like wildfire. Steamed broccoli in this house gets left right? But roasted, it gets eaten. So try cooking it in a different way. Try preparing it, try eating it in a different way. Um, And there's, again, like you can just so easily Google that, right? And say like, so you think you don't like that, but you don't know yet. Try it. Try it roasted. Try it sauteed. Try it, you know, some other way that you've never had it because you might find out, oh, I actually like it in that. So. Mm, Yeah, I love that. That, That's that's a fresh piece of advice. I really, really... uh, really insightful and good one. And you made me laugh with how you're sneaking the foods into the kids, uh, sneaking the, uh, the unwanted veggies in with the food. Yeah. That's great. Tell us now, give us your, um, off the top of your head, I've put you on the spot now, but uh, can you list some non-negotiables for Anne-Marie's lifestyle that keeps you healthy? I eat the greens. I eat them every day um, without fail. And I've now challenged myself to prepare them and present them to my family in different ways. Um, Cause I am the main cook, the main preparer of the foods. That's my household duty. And I can tell you that over time, some of the, the whole food plant-based foods have now been substituted for the regular foods um, that, and they like them better. I, you know, it would be so much easier if I could, in a pinch, do craft macaroni and cheese, even though it's garbage, right? And feed that to my kids. 
they don't even like it anymore. Now they want, I found, you know, a tried and true recipe over time, a true whole food plant-based um, mac and cheese that they like better. The good and the bad in that, it's great. It's much healthier. I'm happy to serve it to them, but it's, take, it's a more complicated recipe, right? It's not quick. So yeah, my, wife, that's why my wife right now would be just like, I hear you, Anne-Marie. I hear you. She'd be <laughs> over my shoulder trying to get in, in the camera and say, <laughs> I spend half an hour, mate, because she makes that sort of stuff too. Yeah, yeah. and it does. I, but yeah. I think it's it's great. And it's like, you know, so that's so you make sure if you everyone like, you yeah. know, everyone likes it. Now I know I make a double or triple of it, right? So I mm. have leftovers and I have it. So because it's not, it's not a quick meal. Um, yeah. But I always tell people too, if you're going to try this, don't start at the more complicated recipes, mm. don't do that. Don't kill yourself because you're setting yourself up to fail. You know, you need to go much simpler. Just to, just start with just the vegetables that you know you already like. Stick them on cookie trays and put them in the oven and roast them, right? Start there because you already know you like them. Then add in a couple that you didn't know you liked, you know, like, you know, you see the turnips at the grocery store, buy a couple, you know, put them into wedges, stick them next to the potatoes and see how you like them. You know, cut up in a soup, just try them and just do something different with them. But do do that simply. Do the simplest things first before you try to replace all those lovely, you know, standard American diet kind of foods that you love because you're going to be disappointed. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. They're different. Um, and especially if you have kids, they are unforgiving. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's like you just you have to kind of walk them through the fire slowly. So I always make sure that from the beginning and now it's much easier. I always have some of the vegetables that they like the way they like them cooked, you know, so I will throw, you know, some roasted vegetables on the table. And like, I would say dinner at our house is much more always of a um, more of like a salad bar, you know, so like, okay, there's some steamed broccoli, but then there's the leftover roasted broccoli from last night. So everybody gets to pick and choose like what they like. Um, and then there's always the rule, like, well, you have to, you have to try that, you know, you don't have to like it, but you have to try it. And after a while they find out, oh, actually I kind of do like that, you know? So mm. like, it just kind of builds over time, but I think that's the way to, to really try to incorporate your family into it. Um, cause I know that's a big hurdle for a lot of people too. Like if I'm going to mm. eat different and I'm going to eat, you know, what everyone else is going to consider weird, you know, you have to make some compromises, I would say. Um, and, you know, just add a couple things at a time and over time, because again, it's consistency over time. This is not an overnight thing. It takes time. But once you start feeling those results, it's so much easier to commit to it. Like, you know, I'm not going back and like, I'll, I'll do this. And now I'm, you know, more and more And COVID helped a lot because I still am the main cook in the family everybody's here for lunch and for dinner. So if I decide this is all I'm cooking today, take it or leave it, you know, <laughs> I've converted a few more uh, recipes into now um, that now they're saying, okay, well, I like that too. I've, and sometimes it's like, they like it better. You know, my kids would never ask me for craft and cheese, craft mac and cheese again. They'll never mm -hmm. ask me for that because now it's like, oh, that stuff is garbage. It tastes like crap. Can you make the real good mac and cheese? I'm like, yes, but not today. I don't have time. <laughs> I'll make it tomorrow, you know? Gosh, I feel like I'm just talking to Melissa right now. That's the conversations <laughs> that she has every day, because she, she she'll make she makes her own pasta sauce, so she makes the delicious uh, uh -huh. pasta sauce, and she'll go into all the details of what's in it and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and she said it. You know, it took me half an hour just to prep it, and then I blend right. it and add all of the extra bits and pieces, right. and Which it's is, delicious. Yeah. And all the everyone loves it. 
but gosh, isn't it easier just to crack open a, a jar, right, right, from the supermarket? But now she's doing her own pasta sauce and she doesn't mind. She said, that's what my grandma used to do. And so that's the positive spin she puts on it is, look, it's so much healthier for the family. Um, right. We all love it. No preservatives. Of course, it's right. oil free. So everyone can just, you know, but I, oh, the point is well taken uh, because I hear it from Melissa all the time is that it's a lot of work to be the healthiest version of the foods to create right. the healthiest. But it gets easier. It gets when you start, because then you start figuring out your own shortcuts and you start yeah. figuring out, you know, what makes more sense, you know, and how to incorporate it all into your day. Like it just starts, you start to, because it's a new habit, right? It's like That's after right. a while it becomes a new habit. And then I, I can't imagine going back now and not doing some of the things that I do now. Like, I just can't yeah. even imagine what life was like before that. You know, I just yeah. don't at this point. I'm yeah. like, I, well, this is just what we do. You know, this is just how I do things. So um, I wanted, I wanted to jump in before, but you were um, saying such wonderful things. I didn't want to stop, but I made a mountain note. You know, when you were talking about getting lots of greens and having to go and buy greens every couple of days, you know, the more that our life reflects the way that things would likely have been before industrial revolution. So we rewind hundreds of years, Let you know, if we think about it, I like to think we probably would have been outside all the time getting lots of vitamin D. We would have been walking barefoot quite often on the ground, which has healing mm-hmm. properties and it's good for our foot arch. It's good for calf muscles and alignment of all of the benefits of barefoot walking. We would have been out getting leafy greens, getting planting vegetables, whatever it might be on a daily basis, right? So we would have been getting our foods every right. day. I agree. So it's not a negative that you have to get fresh produce on an alternate day frequency because that resembles more closely what we would have done before we made life convenient. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that's not a negative. I go and buy mung bean sprouts every day because they go off so quick and I eat a bag a day. So I'm replenishing mung bean sprouts, which are really perishable, every day. And so, and I, it's like, for me, it's like a, it's a nice habit. I finish the gym, pop in, grab them, walk home. And it's, it t- takes me less than five minutes. But right. if I, you know, you can't store the healthiest food for long periods. Right. But people don't realize that that's a new habit that you have set like over time. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, people think like, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I can't do this. And again, the mindset has to switch. Like, okay, if you go right from work and you go home, right, and you don't go to the grocery store, you don't get the fresh stuff, like, well, I didn't have any fresh stuff, and you just order takeout, you know, nine times out of 10, what are you actually spending your time on? Facebook or watching TV or something else, right? So it's like, okay, give up that time, right, and do this instead as an investment in your health and your well being. And you'll have more time for Facebook, right? You will. And, <laughs> and can we add to, to that? And can I add to that, that in then instead of your post, which will be um, something meaningless, like sharing some meme of some idiot doing something stupid, (laughs) your update could be some inspiring, delicious meal that you've just created and you feel good about yourself as opposed to the counterproductive feelings that social media normally give you, which is everyone else has a better life than me. Well, stop that. Look at what you've just done. Here's your quick in, post and out again. And you still feel good. You've achieved something. You've still gone on to social, but you're now the voice and not some follower listening to someone else. So 
Look, I, I love that as well. We've been yeah. chatting a lot and we could chat a, a lot more. I, I really enjoy your wisdom and, and your whole attitude. But let's try and wrap this up with just a couple more non-negotiables for you that you can share with us. Um, exercise too is a critical part of it. And I had to flow differently at different points. Like at, at one point I really did, I was a very active person. So to go from very, very active to not being able to do anything was really like a kick in the stomach for me. Um, and to understand that to me, like yoga used to be for sissies. <laughs> um, and now I realize how Yoga is actually a real workout and it's incredibly beneficial for people with this kind of joint pain and stuff. It really is a great exercise. Um, and I would say before I wouldn't have necessarily classified it as an exercise, um, but it absolutely is. And at some points I feel in this time too, I allowed myself to not have exercise. Like I think there are some points in time where like you need the rest more than you need the exercise. Um, and it could be a mind reset. It could be truly, you know, needing more sleep, needing more nutritious food, um, and not concentrating on like, I have to get this workout in. Like, I feel like add the workout as like, oh, I feel like good enough to do it rather than making it, um, oh, I have to, it's like not that kind of thing. So it's like changing that, the feeling around exercise too. Um, but yeah, so without a doubt, it's like, just spend the time then and the energy to really do the food, get the sleep. It's like nothing that's different than what you've been saying all along or, um, real light, you know, anything that's a light lightning stroke of difference. It's just kind of, no, it's all eat the real good food, get mm -hmm. the good sleep, do all the, do all the work that it takes, like the, the stress reduction, all that stuff. It all adds up. Um, and you should be just doing that on a normal basis anyway, because that's just how we have to get through life. But every little thing will complement, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here, which is just to live a life that's, you know, as pain-free as possible. I mean, I think that's what everyone's goal is in here. And it's like, and it's, you can get there, you know, it's a journey, but you have to be consistent. And again, it's like consistency. Like you have to, and if you have a bad day, be gracious to yourself, give yourself a little bit of grace. Like everyone's going to screw up. I still, I mean, I don't have perfect days all the time. I will admit I am an NFL junkie during football season. I eat a lot of potato chips, but I also have more smoothies during that time to try to counteract it. But I can do that now in the beginning. I couldn't, you know, that first NFL season when I first started, ugh, it was not going to work, you know, now, three years in, I can have potato chips now, but knowing that tomorrow I need to have a good smoothie to kind yeah. of counteract it. So. That, that, is a, um, that is a really, really dialed in, finely tuned awareness. And, uh, yeah. and you can play that game. As you said, once you, you've mastered the art of the pain-mind relationship, the awareness is there. It's, it's, it's really, really, it's at an advanced level. Uh, just to close out, there is, I don't think any of us would ever say that this was a, uh, was a, a wonderful thing to have happened, right? I don't think that I could ever go so far at any time to say, I'm glad that I got rheumatoid arthritis. However, I'm wondering with you, um, given that it's happened, how would you say your life has improved? What are the improved parts of life that has been a consequence of that horrible diagnosis now, like today? Well, I was forced to 
do the, do the research, do the time, make the commitment to make not only my life healthier, but I truly have made my family's life healthier. And so there is a benefit to that. I have a daughter that's actually looking into colleges now. She's like late in high school, she's a junior. Um, And one of her critical characteristics that she's looking for in a school is how good is the food here? Can I get vegan and vegetarian? That's now a priority to her, which is not typical for a 17 year old kid. So, but because she has lived in this house now, now she knows, she goes, well, I don't want to be in a place that, I mean, I can get nothing but McDonald's. You know, she's like, I need to make sure that I'm in a place that has, you know, a good amount of the food that I want to eat. So it's a priority to her. And I'm glad that I've been able to, I would, that never would have happened if this didn't happen because it wouldn't have been a focus in our house and in our life. Now it is. So now it's, a, you know, good eating is a priority. Um, my no, second daughter, she's an athlete. She plays soccer. She also notices, she um, plans her diet better, um, knowing what to eat, what not to eat, when to eat before her workouts, before her, you know, before her games, before us. And again, I don't think we would have been at that place if this didn't happen, because there's just so much more knowledge that has come into the house now by, you know, by default, you know, and it just, it just dominoes from me. I have to be the kingpin. I have to be the one that's doing the cooking in the kitchen. That's just how my house works. Um, but it dominoes to them now. Um, and they see, they, they watched me, they were old enough. They saw the pain I was in. They saw how uncomfortable I was. And now they see, they see me working out in the garage. They see me lifting weights. They see me doing all this stuff now. So they know, they know, you know, how, how greatly this affected in my life. So again, you know, even just a little bit of that domino effect, they're like, well, food kind of makes a big difference. You know, like what you eat is, is truly how, what's going to be the, um, your health level. So my husband's health has also improved. He's lost weight. You know, he's, he's doing well too. So it's like, we've all noticed a difference and that's also rewarding. It just keeps us all, you know, in the same, the same direction. So. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Lovely. It's amazing how, when we mature and we have kids, we can feel so satisfied that it is, it is an enormous accomplishment to improve their lives in a significant way and that that alone putting even putting aside our own health improvements in our own life that just means so much that we're setting yeah. them up for a healthier future and because you know mum has had you know some health compromised in the past they'll look back as they grow older and say we need to be careful too you know mum had this diagnosis we got to be sure that we live in a way that we minimize any uh, predisposition against getting the disease ourselves. And so, look, we have to look for these positive aspects of negative things in life. And uh, what you've you've instilled into the children now is is tremendous. And that really gave me goosebumps when you were saying that. Well, thank you. I just absolutely loved having this conversation with you. And thank you for posting on my Facebook comment or Facebook post about how well you'd done. Uh, you've blown my socks off in terms of your story and the way that you're so eloquent at talking about this stuff. Um, if anyone else has a short story to share, uh, please let me know because um, whilst um, they they come through in a steady steady flow, uh, you know I I love sharing as many as possible. So reach out to me, post under a, under a Facebook uh, episode or on Instagram. Let me know and come share your story too because 
you can see how uplifting it is to hear from Anne Marie and and um, and thank you, Anne Marie. It, it was just tremendous. Yeah, thanks. It was a fun afternoon. I'm going to go walk my dog. <laughs> good, good. I'm going to the library. I've got a book to write, and I just got to go and sit down. So then I'll go to the gym after lunch. So we got a. <laughs> Both got uh, a lot of activity in our day, which is which is important. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.